Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. What's happening, everybody, and welcome to this, the latest episode of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retreat. We're still in lockdown, but we're still here to give you the fantastic wrestling content that we always do on a weekly basis. Uh, This week, we'll be talking about the event, Too Big for One Night, or just spread out because of COVID-19. Who knows? Uh, Yes, we're going to be talking about WrestleMania 36 and giving our thoughts on the big matches from there. But before we get started, uh, a bit of housekeeping, head on over to our social media feeds, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at SuplexRetweet, and uh, give us a subscribe on any podcast platform and just search for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. And you can also find our bonus feed, Suplex Retweet Extra, by searching for that on any given site. Now, before we dig into WrestleMania 36, let's meet the panel. First, we've got a man who has more wrinkles than Goldberg. It's Gary Kernan. <laughs> yeah, this is true. I'm going to have to invest in some some facelifts, I think, Stephen. Aye, uh, and you need and to... You need hanging to... around with you is certainly ageing me. Ah, uh, yes, I, I, I'm never tired of you giving me grief for that, Gary, you know. Especially when you provide sub-quality Wrestlemania snacks. Oh, like, why anybody would think a packet of hobnobs was acceptable <laughs> snacks for Wrestlemania. It's been four years, man. Get here, it. It still hurts. It still <laughs> hurts. Jesus. Uh, next up is a man who auditioned to be in the Firefly Funhouse match, but they told him he was too weird for that match. Take that for what it is. It's Jack Graham. What do you mean? What do you mean too weird? That's, 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 a, that's, a bit of a, that's a bit of a harsh one. Did not even make it into the funhouse. Oh, I don't know. Shame. They, they decided to go with that bit with uh, Bray Wyatt rocking, on the rocking chair instead of you being in it, Jack. That's criminal, mate. It's very criminal. How's it going, anyway? I know, but as you know, really been working at home for a month during all this. Slowly going crazy, running up the walls, but I'm getting toilet paper about the house, so nice. what can you do? Not, not bad at all. And rounding off our panel this week, it is taken being locked down in his house for three weeks without any escape to actually get him on a bloody podcast. It's Ryan Galhar, everybody. Listen, mate, things need to happen on a Wednesday night. So you record a podcast on a Wednesday night. I get the one form of exercise that I get in my whole entire life. I play five or sides on a Wednesday now. And if I need to then give up that, I'm going to be a fat beep. 
So there's your first bleep of the of the night. So you've got me now because Fitbit's cancelled. The season's over. Celtic are champions. Hearts are going down. Thistle are going down. Everything's good. Uh, <laughs> let's not get started on Thistle. Let's get into uh, actually talking about uh, WrestleMania 36. But before we actually go into the matches itself, I'm going to take a quick five minutes just to go around your guys and ask, what did you actually think of the no fans experience? Uh, Ryan, I'll start with you in this one. What was your thoughts on it? I thought it was horrible for a for a WrestleMania. Um, we're going to talk about it later on. I did make a point in the group chat. I said it was a, a decent show, but it wasn't WrestleMania for me. I feel like it has to be this this big stadium show with a hundred thousand people there for it to be WrestleMania to have your moment where you go up on the you know Drew wins the title. He gets up in the top turnbuckle and he looks out to the crowd and there's people there I just felt like it, it didn't have that and I, I feel like Wrestlemania needs to have that to be Wrestlemania uh, Gary what was your thoughts? I th- it was weird and it took some time to get used to um, I think some of the talent dealt with it much better than others there were some people that were going about their business as if there was a live audience mm-hmm there and I think that was quite telling at points the um but as as the show got on you kinda got used to it but really it was sort of about I, I enjoyed it but going into it my expectations were so so low. Um it did exceed my expectations in the end. There was no doubt that the, the talent worked incredibly hard and um there were some bits of it that I really enjoyed like the this some of the smack talking you could hear with people in, in the ring and during their matches but overall I felt you know at the end of it I was thrilled to see Drew win the, win the title but I couldn't help but feel sorry for him as well that that was their crowning moment and so many of these talents had worked so hard up to this point and um, it couldn't you know it must have been anticlimactic feeling for them yeah, Jack. Is there anything you want to add on that experience? Because you, you, you've said yourself you were, you didn't have a great level of hype going into it. No, I've I've not been enthused about this at all. Even like when been doing the raw report or Osprey Cloud kind of during this lockdown time with the you no know, fans performance, and we've kind of got used to it. And like not not many things have been good coming into going into the shows. So I was kind of left. I don't know what's going to happen here with WrestleMania. But I think with all things considered, I think it's probably the best possible delivering of a WrestleMania they could have done mm-hmm. with there being no fans. So I'd say big props to that, but it was a weird feeling and ex- experience in general watching it. Jack, yeah, that- you, you mean the the involvement of the guest host, uh, Rob Gronkowski, didn't get you hyped for WrestleMania? Not not even the dance, not the theme music, or him winning the, the 24-7 title. Oh. Get I, hyped. I, I thought Titus O'Neil was the best possible upgrade ever, especially when it comes to one of the matches on night two that we'll talk about later on. He was absolutely brilliant for that one. Can I, can I just jump in there? See on on Gronk. Um, right. I don't know. I'm not sure. Are you guys big, uh, big NFL not fans? Big, not a big NFL fan, though. No. no, no idea who he is. I, I know my way about in American football. Yes. Right. So I absolutely love Gronk. Right, as a as a player, I thought he was brilliant to watch, especially for the last few years of his career. He was outstanding, and see when he was getting involved, even when he got involved at WrestleMania before, and he jumped the the barricade and he got in the ring and got involved. I thought it was brilliant. I thought he he has that kind of that 
attitude, that kind of character about him anyway, where he's a bit mental, he's having all these kind of parties and stuff like that, I thought he'll be ideal for this. I take it all back, I'm sorry for bigging it up, it was <laughs> horrendous. It was horrendous. See when he came out on uh, Smackdown. Was it Smackdown and he was doing that dance, I was like, oh no, I've bigged this guy up as well. I've told people he's going to be amazing and I had to stick by it because... I think it helps to put him in Mojo Raleigh. Well, they're pals though and that was why he got involved last time wasn't it yeah. they got involved last time because they were pals and I, I just thought it was going to be better than it was and I put my cap on it and I'm sorry to everybody that I said it to because it was shocking it was horrendous in so many levels you know when we had the start of it and he says you know he's acting like this you know he's this big party animal and you're joining the party he's in an empty bloody building <laughs> exactly <laughs> he's, he's wearing a trackie uh, he, he was just hoaching yeah. And and most of the world had absolutely no idea who he was or why we should care about him. No, but uh, enough about the badness of Gronk. Let's talk about some of the matches now. We're going to just outline, obviously, the 16 matches or 18 matches kind of feature. We're not going to talk about them all. We're just going to pick out a, a few ones ourselves to highlight first. And I think there's no better place to start than night one than the main event of Saturday night. It was The Undertaker versus AJ Styles. It was in a boneyard match. Before that match, we had no clue what a Boneyard match was, but Gary, I think it's fair to say that this was the match that got the internet absolutely buzzing. It certainly provoked a reaction, didn't it? And I think uh, they all, you know, some people loved it, some people hated it, but the re- the ratio for people that loved it, I think, going by my social media feeds, outlate, uh, far outweighed the people that hated it. I wasn't expecting this. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't expect that. Um, I thought, you know, one of the stars of WrestleMania, I thought, was AJ Styles. His his selling, uh, his character work throughout this match was great. You know, that cocky heel, the trash talking that went on throughout it. But that's, you know, that one of the lines that stuck with me was AJ whispering to the Undertaker at the end of that, "Don't bury me." <laughs> yeah, just loads about it. I, lo- I really enjoyed. Um, the production values of it were, were tremendous. You've probably cost them a fortune to make. It took ages to to put it together, um, and yeah, I thought this was a, a good way to use the Undertaker. If this is how the Undertaker is going to finish, this probably is a a good way to send them off into the the sunset. Yeah, uh, Ryan, I thought it was quite telling. The minute that the hearse came, they drew the coffin out the hearse, and it was AJ. It was in it just popping out I think that kind of set the tone throughout it and then as Gary mentioned the two of them even him and Undertaker they both sold this match to perfection I think at various points Do you know I just wanted to elaborate on that Gary made the point there and said AJ throughout his character throughout the match was outstanding I think AJ's character throughout this whole feud has been yeah. outstanding see week in week out that whole breaking the kayfabe type thing it's everything that we've been saying about Undertaker about him taking selfies and you know a dead guy shouldn't have Twitter Right, yeah. it, that point blank shouldn't have Twitter. It shouldn't have Instagram. He's not supposed to be married. He's dead, right? But for some reason, they're now then bringing all this out. So I, I like the way that they had AJ capitalise on that, which kind of meant that they only had one way to go, Undertaker, and that was the American badass type character because he is the the non dead Undertaker, so to speak. Um, so and I think that's something we've wanted for for years as well, is getting that character back. So I loved it. I thought the whole match was outstanding. Yeah, Jack. They actually said, yeah, what uh, 
Ryan said about the American Badass style Undertaker. It was an Undertaker that people wanted to see a couple of years ago when he came back to face John Cena. So I think they've actually got the timing of it right, especially with everything else that's thrown into the feud. Yeah, definitely. It was like, there's been no kind of, from what I can recall from recent memory, any serious kind of personal motive to go for The Undertaker and to kind of call out Michelle and whatnot. But like, Styles took it there. He was able to kind of make it known that the dead man wasn't wanted, it was Mark Calloway, it was the American badass and that kind of resonated with everyone saying yeah we need to see this before he eventually does ride into the sunset and even the point he came when Styles came out of the hearse and he was in the, the coffin and he was kind of doing his trash talk and then all you heard was the kind of the motorbike revving up and he's coming down his Metallica blade and from that point I was so late, I mean I've been invested in the full programme of this feud but from that point when you heard Metallica playing I was like, fucking give me a half hour of this right now. <laughs> Could you imagine we were all sitting in a pub absolutely steaming when that happened? When that part there, it would have been like when Drew won the Rumble, the place would have been absolutely mental. Oh, and I, 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 shit, aye. Aye, and, but I think that's one thing that's then that's missed as well from this being, and this is a coronavirus bloody podcast now, but because all this kind of stuff kicking off and us not being able to go out and watch stuff, I just feel like that takes away from it again. Because I watched it in the house and I thought, Oh, that's amazing. But I know for a fact if I was in a pub, I would have been going off my head. You think they would have done that same match if it were, if the did it with a crowd? You think they would have just done a normal match? No, I think they would have done the same thing. I, I reckon that would have been still in the works because you can't plan that in such a short space of time, the, the, the size of that, and plus the way the story went. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I could be completely wrong with that. Um, but I, I would like to think that that was the plan the whole time for, I mean, for they go down that route. I mean, we'll never know the answer to that. I think this this match benefited from it being pre-taped because they could edit it and make it you know make it look good. I find it hard to believe. And Ryan, you have also been at Mania. Could you imagine them playing this on a, a big screen and you sitting in the arena and watching for half an hour the TV screen? I just can't imagine them doing that with a live crowd. It'd be too long. I, su- I suppose maybe they would have had the same the same type of same type of thing, but I think character wise would have still been the same. I still think they would have maybe come out to the arena in a motorbike mm. and had to kind of set up around the side. Now they used to do the buried the live matches etc. When they had it up at the kind of the top end, um, and they'd worked their way back to basically the entrance way, and then they would they would chuck something in there. I, I think it would have been that kind of idea, but I think the character changes would have been would have been the same. It was the, it was the, I thought it was the perfect way to use Undertaker because they can't do that smart. What we had uh, 10 years ago with him fighting Shawn Michaels, he just can't do that anymore. But this yeah. played to his absolute strengths and I thought, because he is still an absolute badass. He can still obviously probably, go, if you messed with him in a bar, he'd probably still party. So, oh, mate, he looked half his seat. He looked oh, mental. He looked great. That, I, I feel that it was, a be, it was the best way to conceal the kind of aging figure of yeah. Mark Calloway like a lot yeah. of what you could have seen of him was kind of hidden it was only really his face and maybe just kind of his arms and kind of showing the muscle but see if he was in his dead man attire and you saw that in media this time for them to fight you would be saying afterwards that Undertaker looks terrible and needs to stop mm-hmm. yeah no it's, it's spot on but they just got so much stuff right with the production and all that even the stuff that was really really over the top that point where uh, it looked like AJ was going to bury him and he just appears behind him and the blinding light. I mean, it's so gimmicky, but it just played absolute to perfection. 
that's a meme, and that that's a <laughs> that's the birth of a new meme to get used. It's, it's, there's, there's so much memes that stuff on this match that obviously haven't given given AJ the fingers just before that. Uh-huh, uh, that was brilliant. Uh, just everything, and let's let's think, let's look at the real real positive for this match. We got Anderson and Gallows in a WrestleMania main event. <laughs> Die a happy man now. I, I'm not giving this main event. I've said this in the chat. I'm not giving it main event. Technically, technically a main it's event. Not, mate. It's not. WrestleMania is a one event. I don't care what anybody says. They can spread it across two days if they want. WrestleMania is one event, and I'm not having it. I'm not having see, like, main events. Every every WrestleMania that's happened recently, though, there's always been dubbed as more than one main event. Also, you have the main event, but you have like three different main events in the card as well. So it still would have been a main event so to speak just so happened that this was the main event of the night one do, do you think that this is the final the final curtain call for the Undertaker do you think we'll no. see him again or do you think this is him no he can't help himself he'll come back again he'll come I, back for the, the blood money he'll come back for an Armenia match like, he just he can't even stay away yeah fair enough Gary, Jack you agree <laughs> with that I think it should be um I hope in some ways it is and the reason I think it might be is the release of the documentary series that's coming if The Undertaker is going to continue to keep going as Ryan said and I can absolutely see that scenario yeah. uh, he does need somebody to tell him it, it, he's done but you know he, he's the, got the right to determine that for himself and we don't want his last match to be you know a calamity like the Goldberg match he can't go the way he used to do, but the way he could continue to go is if he sticks with this American badass character. Because there's a bit of a character reboot of sorts, although it's a character we've seen before we be you know, changing the expectations and the move set that he could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's, 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 it's a decent, it is pretty much interesting to see what happens, but it was a very, very good main event, I think it actually, or main event of night one. Final match to go on on Saturday to keep Ryan happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there was a match that went on just before it. Uh, well, not just before, a couple of matches before it, which many people say was the best match of the first night from an in-ring point of view. He's may argue it's a bit later. It's the match between Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Uh, Jack, I'll go to you on this one as a man who's been reviewing Raw quite a lot recently. This has been a feud that's been very much ongoing since pretty much December time. Did you feel that this was the perfect way in the circumstances to climax this feud? No, I don't. I've, uh, I was I was saying this earlier on with Ross. This is Rollins and Owens has been an absolute kind of stable figure of Raw from November December time. They've had this ongoing feud. They've built up so many different teams and people around them that it's made it so prominent and relevant in programming. And then they had this match. I don't know if maybe it was just the the crowd and there being no atmosphere maybe knocked it off for me but having the kind of DQ finish at first and then they restarted the match became a no DQ and then it was just a kind of not much happened apart from that big spot and then that was it and then he has the stunner and obviously Rollins is lifeless and whatnot gets the pin and wins but Rollins turns up fine on Raw the next night as if nothing happened I feel it's just a big slap to what that feud's been and then oh, like Rollins has probably gained more losing than what Owens has winning. That, that's not that's not what's meant to happen. Mm, interesting, uh, Ryan. What do you do? You kind of agree or disagree with what Jack says? Because personally, when I watched this, I thought this was there was a lot to this in terms of the in ring work that the two did as well. Apart from that big spot. 
I don't. I wouldn't agree that it's the way to end the feud because I reckon the feud will go on longer. Um, you will get the kind of fallout one. You seen Seth when he came out in, on Raw on Monday. He was kind of walking really slow, coming down as if he had like something on his mind. You can almost feel as if that's he's going to avenge that loss almost because he lost twice after saying he doesn't lose at WrestleMania. He technically lost twice in one match. Um, I thought the the own spot from the the WrestleMania sign. One th- one thing I liked about that, and it's probably a wee bit of a kind of small thing you never really see anybody jumping off of something and actually going through somebody yeah. anymore and that's obviously health and safety which is fair enough but you never see anybody staying on the table when someone makes one of these big jumps and the fact that Seth stayed on the table and actually looked like he had died and had some like internal bleeding or something like that the whole way through it was amazing but no I, I thought it was it was great. One thing I didn't get is why the match wasn't no DQ to begin with. Yeah, they probably should have just done that straight. Aye, that would have been better. It would have built up more of a kind of grudge match type feel as opposed to just a normal match um, because I felt that this match needed to be a no DQ. So it was a wee bit strange why they done that. I can understand going with the two losses and blah, 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 but aye, it would have made more sense to me to just no DQ at the start and and just go for there but I thought Seth selling in the match as well was outstanding the way he sold that stunner like he just flopped to the ground like an empty trackie it's class yeah uh, Gary yeah Ryan mentioned Seth Rollins and do you feel as if he's kind of thriving in this role in the Monday Night Messiah I mean you took up top, from his entrance down to the ring where he literally was like dressed like a god you know do you feel that this is a perfect gimmick for him now Oh, I, th- I think he's been money in this gimmick. I loved his entrance. I could just imagine, only imagine what his entrance would have been like in the big arena with all those people around there. I thought he was brilliant at the part he, pl- he played. I wasn't sure when Seth turned heel because um, uh, and when this Monday Night Messiah thing has come along, but you know, he's, a, he's been a great example of somebody just taking something and working with it. Uh, I thought it was his mannerisms, the way he carried himself, was just was just fantastic. Um, so I loved his character work there. Um, I had higher expectations for this match than I did in others because these these two um, and the exactly why they're feuding, I don't really understand it but whatever they're given to do they always seem to nail it at the park I think it started uh, off with a, a loyalty thing from Survivor Series weekend I think uh, yeah. Seth kind of said that Kevin wasn't really a team player type aspect because he went back to NXT type thing I think it's kind of descended into just a bit of a gang warfare type idea yeah so I thought uh, the the match throughout was really good when the DQ happened I did think oh is that really but then when the match restarted the pace really picked up then and that spot as the guys were just talking about I mean some I was going to say it takes big balls to allow somebody to jump off a big sign of you but we've seen Seth's big balls <laughs> uh, so, oh, so we, we all know that um, <laughs> talking about the spot the spot guys from the top of the Wrestlemania sign for what I've seen online, a lot of people have kind of gave up. There's been some criticism for it because saying, why is he doing a move like that in front of no crowd? Because yeah. you don't get the same pop. You know, what's your thoughts on that? Do you think he had to do the move or do you think it's just him uh, just pulling out all the stops type idea? The crowd doesn't matter. 
it doesn't matter if there's a crowd there or not you still need to put on the best match that you can and if he thought doing this spot would have been great in front of any, uh, a full stadium it still has to happen mm. at this um, you can't even just take out your big spots because oh, there's no crowd there's nobody here to enjoy it there's millions of folk around the world enjoying it I enjoyed it and I'm sitting in my house in Claybank so uh, it still has to go you, uh, the show must go on as they say mm-hmm. I thought it was a, I, I thought the, I thought the spot was very well done I didn't think I thought Kevin Owens has always been to me a guy who could pull out some fantastic stuff for somebody's size you know he shouldn't but, be able to do half the stuff he does absolutely but yeah. uh, in terms of um, weird, there was a lot of rumours of uh, Seth Rollins uh, taking some time off it's very hard to kind of tell given the uncertainty we're currently living in you guys mentioned that already do you see this going further or do you see them both going their separate ways potentially? I see it kind of maybe going separate ways I can see Rollins probably being the first well obviously the first Raw superstar challenge for the WWE title that uh, Drew holds now but like I don't I don't know what direction Owens can go in because you can see maybe Rollins kind of going a bit manic preacher type person that he still believes in the, the gospel he's preaching and whatnot and maybe gets a bit more kind of ruthless and a bit more aggressive in his nature and that leads to a match with Drew when he's just kind of like squashing people only thing I maybe see for Owens in the future is maybe like a money in the bank match or something and that's about it maybe a feud coming from that but nothing too prominent even then there's uncertainty about the money in the bank pay-per-view company at the moment they're, yeah. still, adver- they're still advertising it but what do we actually see? You never know. Uh, Ryan, what do you think he's going? NXT. You think he's going to go back there? Uh, he's got to. There's nothing nothing for him on the, the main roster, unless they can pull out the bag. A great feud that we've not thought about yet, but I, I don't see it. There's nobody that I can I can sit there and go, oh, Owens would have a great feud with him, whereas if you look at NXT, there's loads of folk that he could have a good feud with in there. He's not going to win the, the big title. He's not going to win the wee title. On, on Raw so send him back you know that he, he's too he's too big to f- flounder about kind of mid card he could go to NXT and he could be main eventing he could once this Gargano Champa stuff's over you could see him taking on one of them two in a feud you know you could, building for there I think it's the only realistic place that you can see him I'm probably wrong as we <laughs> always say it's probably not going to happen they'll probably put him against fucking Bo Dallas or something like that in a feud but uh, that's what I would like to see him go next. Mm-hmm. Got it. I, I mean, the guys make really good points. There's part of me that WWE have invested a lot of time in Kevin Owens. You think back to SummerSlam and how hot he was coming out of that angle with Shane McMahon. He's had a lot of time in focus. And I just, for that reason, I just can't imagine them them moving them to NXT but equally I don't know what they do with them now um, he's not you know not, not shouldn't be challenging Drew for, for the title I don't know what comes next for him and I can't imagine uh, that Seth's going to be Drew's first real contender challenger either because Seth's too valuable to do that with it's a hard one to kind of tell because the big thing obviously is we don't really know what's going to be happening every day going forward but it's definitely was a de- it was a decent enough match to kind of go on with the two of them given the circumstances uh, the next match we're going to go on to talk about is one that when we kind of seen it was announced 
to me personally, it screamed that this was going to be a match that was guaranteed to be good, given the type of match we've got. It was the triple threat singles ladder match for the tag team championships. I know how baffling that sounds, but it was John Morrison defending him and Missy's tag team titles against Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso. I can't remember. I think it was Jimmy Uso. Yeah, it was Jimmy It was Jimmy um, in a a ladder match. Uh, Ryan, you've seen these guys kind of fight numerous times on your um, reviews of SmackDown. Whatever we do, I. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, well, you can't really go out and meet in the car these days no, to do these I things. Um, what did you make of this match? Just on that, the show will be back after this weekend's SmackDown. We have we have sussed away. Ryan was dealing with um, working from home with a, a young child and a pregnant missus. That has all now settled down with the coronavirus fears, so we can get the show back on the road. Um, on the match, one th- note that I've taken, which I really need to point out, if you have listened to the show that me and Ryan do, I have been highly critical of John Morrison since he came back. I, I thought he was just a bit of a nothing performer. He didn't impress me since he came back. He's just been a bit boring. He blew me at the water in this match. I thought he was so amazing. Sure. He was brilliant. Oh, he was outstanding, mate. He was so good. Um, I've I've slowly been getting into him as a Morrison over the, the last few weeks. I didn't like them to begin with. Like I say, and that all came from kind of not really liking John Morrison when he came back and not thinking he was that, that special. But this match, see the one bit that I bloody loved was see when he got up in the turnbuckle and walked across the ropes to the other turnbuckle. Like, I wonder, <laughs> that's what I thought. See, because that was pre-recorded. How many takes? I wonder how many takes that was. I wonder if he fucked it. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he, if, he, if he did on it, but uh, it, it def- uh, Jack, what was your thought? Did you actually, would you agree on Jack, uh, John Morrison being the standout here? Because I've seen these three guys and I thought, they're going to do something really good. They'll all get talent in it. Yeah, I would say for me, John Morrison's a kind of standout. You know, with, with Kofi, it's kind of, it's, for me, it's, it's kind of annoying as it is to say it's kind of expected for Kofi to be as good as he is in these kind of matches because like whenever you see a ladder match with Kofi's in you're thinking oh it's going to be a barnstormer he's going to steal he's going to be like, amazing during this but John Morrison was a completely different level this is like this was his time to shine he's got his Wrestlemania moment from from doing this and he just everything everything about it clicked everything made sense the pacing of the match what happened during it the finishing it was I think it was top-notch stuff yeah uh, Gary it was a it was a rare occasion as well that we got to see one of the Usos in a singles capacity because we've just been so used for so many years just to see them always in tag team action yeah and um, ironically what one of them has this amazing match and you're still not sure which one it was <laughs> <laughs> when I seen this was announced I did think uh, as in a triple threat match for for the tag titles with singles but I get they're up against the wall with it and there's little choice they could do they had little options on it so they went ahead with it in some ways the fact there wasn't six guys in the match I think helped with the pace of the match this was an exciting match throughout there were less bodies to get in the way of things so actually when people were climbing for the title belt that's maybe when it hurt them a little bit because there were a couple of moments where Morrison was climbing the ladder and he could have easily got the belt but then had to slow himself down a little bit but I thought 
some of the action throughout was really exciting and real credit to the guys for doing that because they are doing these spots and they don't have the live crowd to feed off to give them that adrenaline rush and they did not phone it in in any way shape or form with some of the bumps they took uh, some amazing bumps uh, some moves in it like I remember there was one was it coffee swings through the middle of the ladder and there's yeah. a couple of bits you see in it you think well I've never seen that before in a ladder match which is really hard to do the Spanish fly off the top rope that Morrison did was incredible yeah, it was, it was fantastic stuff. Uh, what I quite, they kind of benefited a wee bit from having no crowd because I think there was one point, uh, I can't mind, I think it was one of them throws the ladder outside and normally when they throw a ladder outside, they always have to be t- careful in case they like overdo it and obviously it ends up hitting somebody but there was nobody there so they could just chuck it anywhere. Yeah. You know, they added a bit to that one as well. Uh, Ryan, I've actually got you in this one because I've heard you on this reviewing SmackDown have mentioned this a few times. Somebody needs to give Kofi a shake and tell him not to stop, to stop doing stuff with his hair. <laughs> Honestly, mate, I absolutely hate it. Like, what is he doing? See, when it first went blonde, I was just like, oh, no. And then now he's coming up with multicoloured hair and all that. I'm like, just don't. Just keep it as it is, man. Like, you don't need to change anything. Like, change your ring gear. Wrestlers change ring gear. They don't change haircuts. No. The, only, the only time you get a fresh baldy is for WrestleMania season. That's the only time they get a fresh ball day through the whole year. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a weird one as well. And even with, with Kofi, it's, had, it's, it's been such a turnaround this year as well. Last year, with Kofi Mania, and now this year, he was just part of a... He was the third man in a ladder match. You know, it's just... It's such a... It's, it's amazing how differently things have turned for him over the last 12 months. Aye, but... I, I, I always think when people say, like, oh, that must be some come down. Like, no, not really. Like when he was in, when he had his moment last year, where he won the title. Like the only way you can go from there is down, unless you compete for that again. Like he was still in a title match. He was still on WrestleMania. You know, as long as you're on the card in a title match, that's not that much of a drop um, for people as, as people like to make out that you think, oh, that's that's some fall down for you. Well, no, not really. Like I was. Pinnacle last year. There's only one where you can go, and that is down. So I don't think it was that that bad. You know, having him in this, having him in this match. What did you all make of the the, the finish and the the, the the winner being Morrison? I personally thought that this was going to be the night that the Usos won the title. What do you, what do you think? I'm glad that uh, the the finish that happened is it's like kind of the right way to do it because I feel that it's too. It's too early to take the belts off Miz and Morris, especially kind of since that maybe, probably from when lockdown started, they've maybe started finally finding their groove mm-hmm. and the kind of characters that they're being and they're kind of not really caring, just going after folk and then making rap songs about it. But like, there's a definitely, there's more, there's more interest in now in Miz and Morris and continuing their reign than having the Usos or the New Day becoming tag champs again, because I think folk will be like, oh, we've seen that before and what's, what's next? Yeah, spot on, and Gary. I, I like I like the improvisation of the finish. I thought it was a, wee, a bit different than what we'd normally see. I love the fin- done. I love the finish. I thought it was a really good spot. It gets the the heels the victory without them, you know, being dominant as such, and sets it up for these teams to go again uh, in another way. And I didn't particularly care who won this match. Uh, I think you could make a case for any of the teams. 
to do it um, but I'm certainly not disappointed that Miz and Morrison's have held on to the, the title and hopefully they can uh, we'll give uh, Morrison the rub they needs to elevate him because the Miz um, is a, to me is you know there's an imbalance in that team the Miz is a you know main event caliber talent and Morrison is lower mid card mm-hmm. yeah definitely it was a very enjoyable match and I think it was well placed in the middle of the card and it kind of followed a couple of matches on from the final match from night one that we're going to talk about and it was the match for the Raw Women's Championship it was uh, Becky Lynch defending against Shayna Baszler Gary I'll throw back to you on this one very surprising me personally that this match went on third on the card what was your thinking on that one? I was disappointed with this match overall. Um, it's we when by the time the show came on, this was the, the first match that really mastered mm-hmm. all of the two. I don't mean to be disrespectful to the other ones. The, oh, the, no. don't the women's Elias and Corbin. Exactly. Who gives a shit about that? And the women's tag titles haven't been hot really since they were first came on board. Uh, this was a short, much much shorter match than I thought it would be. Eight and a half minutes. Shayna was probably one of the the best at adapting to this environment. You know, she walked, you know, when she came to the ring and the way she conducted herself, she acted like there wasn't an audience there, whereas some of the others still did their same entrances and so on as if there was they would have done if there was an arena full of people. So I thought Shayna's reactions were really good. Just a much shorter match than I thought. I mean, it's clear that this is, uh, you know, this feud's not finished. They did the classic uh, sort of Bret Hart finisher that he used in Roddy Piper and Stone Cold when they wouldn't let the hold go to uh, give the face a victory. But yeah, I just overall my feeling with this match is just one of of disappointment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jack Gary mentioned the length of the match. It went on for about eight minutes. A lot of people have said that the match was. The eight minutes was solid, but to many people it felt like a good first half of a 15-minute match. What, would you kind of agree with that kind of uh, analysis? I'm sorry just to jump in there. The women's tag title match got 18 minutes and, and this got eight match, minutes. Yeah. So, yeah. so Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead, yeah. uh, I'd agree that like, it's a, it was a good eight minutes to a 15-minute match, but I think the, the full thing in general was absolutely god-awful. Really? Yeah. The truck don't care about Becky's truck and how she comes in that's not what her character should be it shouldn't be about a flashy truck to make entrances in fair enough it would be cool in the, the arena and whatnot, but that's not what her character is you've had Shayna come up from the rumble everyone's take for winning it lost right fair enough but she still gets her mania match and then she gets screwed out of match again I don't know if maybe I hate on this a lot because I've said in the Raw report that I'm, I'm not a fan of Becky Lynch right now I feel that anything about it is just, it's just too it's too much it's too cringy I was really looking forward to having a break away from Becky Lynch to maybe fall back in love with the man character again and now that I've not got that maybe it's maybe more angry than what I should be yeah Ryan and Jack mentions the stuff about Becky Lynch and I, I like we mentioned with Seth Rollins there was a lot of talk that she was maybe going to take a break which I feel was going to make it perfect for Shayna to be the one to end it especially after a year I think were you surprised in any way that they went with Becky retaining here and you think maybe they're maybe saving Shayna winning the belt for a time where they could do it in crowds again aye but I don't understand why Shayna just didn't win it now like 
although the the rumours about Becky taking a break, etc. Even if there was any rumours about Becky taking a break, she still had to lose the title there because you've had Shayna dominate through NXT. You've, she's come in, she's dominated the Elimination Chamber, and you're thinking she's going to dominate Becky then. And then, then you can build some kind of story of Becky going through whatever she has to go through to get it back, you know, get back up to that. I've fought through it before and I'll fight through it again. But the finish, I mean, at one point I did make, Jack was uh, Jack was shitting over the big truck. I thought the big truck was the best part of the whole thing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Grow up. Grow up. What age are you? Um, there's that rag with the big truck. I can kind of see the, the points with it. The big truck would have, I think the big truck would have been cooler if they did it at Mania and the actual proper Mania and it was the first time we saw the big truck I think Mate, because I, we saw it use it with Raw maybe put, put some people off it I just love the fact that she's used the truck like more than once now and it actually looks like that's her motor like she kicks, <laughs> a, she, she kicks a bit of America in this truck but let's be honest Jack see somebody gave you a big massive truck that said the man in your face across the side you'd fucking drive it in the shop you'd drive it to Asda aye of course but I can still hate her driving a Truck into you know I mean? Aye, but that's just that's just Irish racism. That's all it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, driving, driving into the empty car park. It didn't really have the same feel to it, but again, circumstances, you know. Aye, no. Listen, I thought the match was a bit a bit dull. To be honest, with you. it was. Um, I found enough. They performed well for the the eight minutes or however long it was that they were they were on, but. I thought the finish as well, like that's twice now that Becky's done that same kind of finish to a former cage fighter. She done it last year and she done it this year. She's not had a proper good win in her title matches at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that may be controversial, it might not be, but I thought last year when she won it, I thought it was a bit of an anticlimax because uh, I wasn't expecting it to be over. And it's the same with this one. When it was over again, I thought, is that it? Like, is that all we're getting? So yeah. I expected a lot more for the match, but it wasn't it wasn't bad. It was just a bit of a nothing match. It actually was well placed going on third because it was nothing. And uh, and Gary Ryan mentioned the way that the way they finished it. It's it's something they've kind of. It seems to be the way they kind of have Shayna lose quite a lot. We've seen it back a couple of years ago. That's the exact same way that Kyrie Sane beat her for the NXT Championship. Do you think that was kind of lazy to go with that one? Not in this context because it was a lazy match uh, in some ways, you know. Uh, so not in this context. I can see the NXT thing. They probably think that not as many people seen Shayna lose in that way at NXT, and this is a different audience. Obviously, there's crossovers between them. Uh, so I wouldn't. I would go as far as saying it was a lazy finish. I just think the whole match was was disappointing and underwhelming. I think this was a good example of a match that needed the crowd. I don't know if the crowd would have saved it. Basically, you know, if they did exactly what they did in front of the crowd, I'm not sure it would have been any better. It would have been dull in front of the crowd. Aye, Jack, did you say something as well, sir? Aye, I was saying I reckon the crowd could have turned on maybe Becky at that point. I think for it being the even if Becky won, if they had the 15 minutes, maybe it wouldn't have been as bad. But see, it felt like it was cut short. Yeah. It's good, and that was it. I think folk would have been raging at that. Mm-hmm. I think so as well, yeah. But Just, I think he's at the head on the head. Just what I was going to add there, what I think is absolutely criminal about this is when you think about the matches that Shayna had 
down in NXT all them title matches she had all the 15 20 minute matches that she put on that were memorable you can you could pick out points from it you could the bitch where she nearly broke people's arms and mm-hmm. all that there was just there was nothing in that match she said so much in that she's done since she came to WWE like wee character traits that she does in every match and you think Jesus she's just broke somebody's arm or even when she done the biting thing I would have liked to have seen them even try that again like you know just just put something in the match something a wee bit memorable in the match but it just it had nothing it was just a an eight minutes of playing wrestling and then the finish mm-hmm. yeah wasn't the best match and say it wasn't really it kind of didn't really feel as much as it could have been but it was still better than a lot of the matches in the uh, night one and for that reason we will not be analysing Goldberg versus Braun Strowman that is one thing for sure on Elias versus versus Barry Corbin but that's been our analysis of the main matches from night one we're going to take a short break and when we come back we'll be analysing night two so don't go anywhere we'll see you in a bit Hello folks I'm Nathan Fisher and I'm Chris Murray join us on the Monday Night Rewind as we look back on every head-to-head episode of Dowdeff Raw and Dowdeff Nitro Find us on the brand new Suplex Retweet Extra feed, available on all good podcasting sites. I'm WWE superstar Drew McIntyre, and today we're in freezing cold, raining Loch Lomond. But we're doing something pretty exciting. We're filming an advert, a very exciting advert. Um, We're going to promote WrestleMania and my big match coming up. We're going to meet... My mentor. Exciting. Look at this, all is just like my final tests. Am I ready to be top kind WWE? I literally climbed over freaking mountains. Look at me doing it right now. We're on the hills. I'm carrying two barrels, which aren't that heavy, but when the wind is this high and you're in your underpants, it's not exactly easy. <laughs> Like I know the finished product's gonna be amazing. You know, we all suffer for our art in one way or another. Just in wrestling, we physically suffer in a lot of ways. <laughs> it's gonna be worth it. Ah! Okay, now keep going up the hill. Ah! 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 Like the modern day Braveheart, and here we are in the hills of Scotland at Loch Lomond. So I think that's gonna be. I mean, I know it's gonna be unique. It's gonna be different. I think it's gonna certainly get people's attention because I think they're gonna feel the cold through the television because it is that freaking cold. We're fine with that shot, I take it. We're what? We're fine with the shot, nothing needs to be done. Mate, it's unbelievable, mate. It looks so good, cool. Like nothing says Scotland more than the environment we're in right now. And for me, just getting the opportunity to be back home, seeing where it all began, remembering where I came from, this pretty cool three weeks before WrestleMania. This is a glamorous life of a WWE superstar. You just keep trying to curl it round, like re gripping the rope. That's it, yeah, like that. You're kind of like. That's it, perfect. That's the move. Just give us a little bit. Okay, stand by. Um, 
Fighting back, dude. Fight back. My first ever world title shot at WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. Somebody who I've used as motivation for years. Obviously, I've always been aiming for that uh, world title, the WWE title. And now that it's actually happening, the mental motivation I used for years is actually happening. I keep telling myself maybe I should have envisioned something bigger. President of the world. <laughs> yeah! Yeah! Fantastic! Oh, last little bit, you throw the rope down in victory! Oh! Oh! Yes! Yes! <laughs> How do you imagine Brock is uh, preparing for WrestleMania? Uh, I don't know. I just assume on his farm he just lifts cattle and the likes. So I'm playing catch up right now. <laughs> Lesnar! Oh! Hey, this is Quacker. And this is Sarah. Just a quick message to remind you that you should subscribe to our extra feed on Suplex Retweet Extra. Yeah, come and join us over at Albuquerque Grout where we will be breaking down all Scottish wrestling and also giving our brave hearts of each month. Yes, for that and much more, make sure you're subscribed to Suplex Retweet Extra. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Welcome back to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. I'm Stephen Wilson. I'm joined by Gary, Ryan and Jack. And we are reviewing WrestleMania 36. We have just heard the behind-the-scenes clip of Drew McIntyre recording that BT commercial that he did in Loch Lomond. And that's a perfect way to go on to our first match that we'll talk about from night two. Is of course, Scotland's proudest moment from wrestling. It was Drew McIntyre defeating... Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. Jack, I'll go to you in this one. What did you think at the moment? Brilliant moment shit match. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, was yeah. it? I think let's 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 go with the moment first and we'll talk about the match later. Did you think you could you could tell that there was a moment Drew still kinda of felt it, but it definitely felt like he should he deserved it in front of a bigger crowd. Yeah, everything that everything had been built up to this point. The reaction the crowd would have got, the ovation, the celebration from it, it just it all would have been perfect. And I mean that like one of the best ways to round off WrestleMania in recent memory. And it's been kinda it's been robbed from them. Fair enough, obviously it's like exceptional circumstances that's taking this away and nothing can really be done, but you, you always have that bit of you know, think, like, man, what what if he did win that in front of eighty odd thousand folk and everyone chanting three, two, one when he hits the claymore? One, two, three gets the pin. You always want to have that kind of what if. That would have been class if you had that in front of the crowd and whatnot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, Ryan, Jack obviously briefly mentioned the match itself. It went on for about five, six minutes. There was a lot of finishing maneuvers, F5s, claimers to it. But me personally, I'm comparing it to the match we saw the night before between Goldberg and Braun Strowman. And I personally feel like it may have, they could have done more with it, but I feel like in terms of that style of match, it overperformed compared to what we saw from the Universal title match. I think taking this one on its own, though, I don't think it was as bad as we might think looking back to it. See, if you, build, if you look at the storyline and the build-up to it, 
with, with Drew dominating him in the, the rumble. That Raw when he done about five Claymore kicks to him mm-hmm. and he shouted him to pick up the belt and stuff like that. And then having this match, it it's almost taken Drew from being Drew who was quite good to then what he done in the rumble to being like really good Drew, then very good Drew, and then now having this moment where he basically just it, although he got F5 quite a few times at the start it built him back up again because he got back up he kicked out of one, he took another one he got back up again, he got back up again and then he had enough to deliver about 50 claymores to him and then win the match and dominate Brock Lesnar who can't normally be dominated so I think it, it done his character well I just, I, I would have liked I, I don't think if it was in a arena um, or a stadium the, the match would have been just as quick I think you would have got more of a match one thing I did think about and I, I might be completely wrong with this it's just totally hypothetical the fact that the match was quick I wouldn't be surprised if that was Brock's decision based on the fact that Brock didn't actually want to be there because everything that's going on and the you know not wanting to put yourself at risk and blah blah I wouldn't be surprised if he's got that power to turn around and go listen I'm not sticking about here I'm going to come in we're going to record this we're going to get out. We're gone. I'm not. I'm not putting myself in any more any more danger. And I have to be by being in the ring for too long or being up close and personal. We we do because they never had a moment like that. That was just literally uh, fives and claimers yeah, and that. a cu- couple of suplexes. So uh, it might be that might be the reason why it was quick. That might have been a Brock thing. Um, if circumstances were different in the wider world, then we might have got a different match. But that's problem would make sense uh, Gary we're often told now in the news at this current point that we shouldn't feel like our life should be normal the, a moment that really hit me in the head with that one was as the match was starting that Paul Heyman did not do Brock Lesnar's introduction I, what is I going was, on? Uh, I was surprised at that at the moment but when I think back to it one of the, the and you think the reason Heyman does it is to hype the, the crowd well there was no crowd to hype yeah. so it kind of makes sense that he didn't do it but one of the things I did love from Heyman during this match is you could hear him shouting warnings to Brock Brock he's going to sell for a Claymore <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was brilliant I absolutely loved that um, I thought you're, the comparison that was made in passing there to, to the Braun and Roman uh, not sorry, Braun and Goldberg match was an interesting one because that was a match which had two moves in it. This was a match what what had three moves in it, a claymore kick, a suplex and an F5 uh, but these guys, we know they can do a lot more than that I mean, Lesnar has very rarely failed to deliver in a big match for WWE we know all about Drew and the fact that these guys got four minutes, 35 seconds and a three and a half hour show just puzzles me, you know, uh, a 10 minute match of two, you know, hard hit match, almost like the type of match that Lesnar had with Goldberg at Mania 33 mm. uh, would have been, you know, it was a short, shorter match, but those guys really went at it hammer and tong in that match. Yeah. Um, the bit that you know, I'll give credit, huge credit to Lesnar for is the selling that he has done for Drew oh, through it, since the Rumble, and even in this one after Drew wins the match and he's celebrating, Lesnar lay motionless in the middle of the ring that whole time. So it's sort of ten out of ten for his his continued selling. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jack, we mentioned very early on about the moment of Drew actually winning it and how much better we've been for a live crowd, live crowd. I personally think that the crowd would have went absolutely crazy just as much for that moment that Drew kicks out of the F5 at 1. Yeah, that moment, the kicking out at 1, I think folk would have went off their head and I feel that commentary would have been even more hyped, kind of feeding off the energy of the crowd at what just happened. But I just I feel that if I... I crashed, I was there, I crashed out during night two when I was watching it during the tag match after the match that happened before, which we'll speak about in a bit. So I watched it the next morning. If I stayed up to like half three, quarter to four to watch this match and it was only five minutes, I'd been absolutely raging. Yep. Mm-hmm. It'd be different if we'd stayed up till about half five on the usual WrestleMania, though. <laughs> If we stayed up though, we would have been with people and the atmosphere would have been different I know. as well. You know, the hard I, thing about this WrestleMania, it's just it's, it's a hard one to kind of, I feel like maybe in about 5-10 years time, we won't be looking at this WrestleMania in the same way we look at other WrestleManias. No, we'll skip it, we'll completely skip it. Um, it's, a one, one, it's a one off, you know, you'll remember this I, moment, but you won't uh, remember the match that led to the moment. Aye, exactly. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I did want to note when um, you're making the point about Heyman not doing the intro, I, I don't know if this is just me that thought about this. I, I took from Heyman not doing this, and I, I literally come on this podcast every time I do it, and I always talk about it might have been this, but it probably wasn't, and this is another moment where it might have been this, but it probably wasn't. I think the reason Heyman never done it is because he, character, doubted whether Lesnar could do it so he never hyped him up as much because he had that doubt in the back of his head that's what I took from that from him not doing that like I say probably wrong he probably just never wanted to do it but that was the the kind of thought I took for that when I was watching it well let's let's all agree on one thing it's great that Drew is champion from a Scottish point of view 100% it's good from a Scottish point of view but I'll probably, I probably might get a bit of hate from this. I said it in the Raw report as well. I feel that national pride is clouding a lot of people's judgment on the moment in the match. Yeah, but it's, it's a hard one to kind of tell. It's a different level from Scotland to maybe the US, but we'll kind of get a better judge of how this kind of goes as the live crowd start to return in a couple of months' time and we kind of see how the crowd react to Drew. Uh, now, we're going to now talk about the next match, which Jack alluded to briefly. It was the match the return of singles competition of Edge after nine years out pretty much think his career was over and he took on Randy Orton in a last man standing match Gary this was a match that had such high standards to it going into it but to many people it fell off a cliff what was your thoughts? I'm afraid I have to go into the latter camp I popped big sale when Edge returned at the Rumble and was really looking forward to this match but 36 minutes uh, the second uh, longest Wrestlemania match of all time behind Bret Hart Shawn Michaels Iron Man match yeah it was 10-15 minutes too long as far as I'm concerned Uh, partly as the second longest Wrestlemania match of all time Jesus yeah it it was far far too long as far as I was concerned and also the uh, wee bit repetitive there's only so much you can do I think the last man standing element of the match lost a lot of the the steam its momentum being in the empty arena 
Uh, I don't think that worked for them. It'd be better if they pivoted to something else for it. Yeah. And also these, you know, some of the things these guys were doing. I mean, Randy Orton is not really renowned as a as a high flyer, but yeah, he's now you know climbing on top of trucks and Edge probably shouldn't be taking those types of bumps anyway. Uh, yeah, just far far too long. Uh, 10, 15 minutes shorter. We probably be talking about slightly different in the match. Some some interesting spots with you know trying to make use of the the facilities they've got. I like the finish with the concerto. There was a sort of poetry moment to it almost. Yeah. You know, I like the edge swinging off the the gym equipment and landing and Randy on that chair. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm struggling beyond that. You mentioned that part of the gym there, Ryan. I thought. See the starting sequence of this match while they were going through the kind of gym elements for it. I thought that match, that it was good at that point, but it was kind of the point where they eventually left the gym side and they started plodding through the backstage elements to it. That's when it started losing me personally. Aye, so so um, when you said how long was this match? Yeah, thirty six minutes. Did you say? Minutes, yeah. Right. I, I reckon I probably napped for about fifteen minutes of it, mm-hmm. like during the match. Um, I went to bed to watch it because I was fed up sitting on the couch. They they had the gym bit. Fine. I thought that's all right. I thought they're going to move out now. They're going to go to the ring. I fell asleep. I woke back up again. The match was still going. Um, at this point, so I missed a wee kind of chunk in the middle. I liked the end, but. The gym part, when I compare it to um, one that happened recently as well, in the same gym was Gargano and Champa, and on NXT when they had that kind of bit in the the gym, that didn't go on for too long. It was on long enough. They had the big moment at the end, and then that was it. It was it was done. That's the way this match should have went. The fact that they then continued it even longer. The fact that I could have a nap and then, <laughs> and, and then wake up for the end of the match is a joke. You yeah. know, I, I expect to go for a nap midway through a match and wake up during the next match. Not the same body match when they're. I think I, I literally think I woke up as they were climbing on top of the truck. So I, I missed that wee bit beforehand. So I've not got as much hate for it as our folk has, and I haven't watched it back because all I've heard is negative comments about it. So I've not even bothered Mars going back to watch it again. But from like what you said, just even I enjoyed the start of it, I enjoyed the gym bit. I, I, I enjoyed the end. I thought the end up on top of the... Yeah, I thought the end was fine. It just took too the long. Yeah, yeah. Right. I thought Edge selling it well as if I don't want to do this was quite good. Um, at the very end, when you see him kind of with tears in his eyes almost before he'd done the concerto, I thought that was quite good. Um, the kind of way he sell that. So I've not got as much hate because I went for a nap. Yeah. Uh, Jack, that bit in the in the middle from the gym bit towards the closing end and it was so disappointing it must have been even more disappointing to you as a massive Edge fan than you are yeah Edge is my greatest of all time wrestler is the one that I've resonated with so much so seeing this moment of him having his Wrestlemania match come back I was so excited but never that you're a big shagger mate is that why you resonate with a big shagger <laughs> of course mate I have live sex celebrations every week <laughs> To an empty crowd as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nobody needs nobody needs to see that. <laughs> I mean, you you know about the plenty of washing bottles I've got kicking about when I caught my draft, so you know. Right, plenty. Moving on. <laughs> uh, I as I was saying, I never thought I'd hear the words coming out of my mouth that Edge has ruined my WrestleMania experience because that 
with that match going too long, it's probably what made me crash out during the tag title match, and I missed the rest of it. I missed I was... a live reaction that of the, uh, the main event and the Wyatt match beforehand, and having, also having to watch after seeing everyone's reaction. It's just, oh, I'm gutted, and I'm hate. I hate that it was because of a 35 minute long match. It just didn't need to be. I would, I'll admit myself as well. I was, str- I struggled after that match. I had to kind of go get an energy drink from the fridge. I was pretty much, I was teetering myself. You know, I was kind of like, I really want to see the moment of Drew winning at the end. That was kind of helping me get through it a wee bit. But no, I mean, the the finishing element to it, as the as you've all kind of mentioned to it, they sold that out very well. But again, it really needed a like that needed the live crowd that moment. Yes. the kind of facial reactions to it thing. I need the kind of oohs and ahs from this, the audience as well. But again, would they have done this style of match? The finish probably would have came in the ring as well, as Gary, you and Ryan talked about in the first half. It, it would have ended in the, the ring. Obviously, you're not going to go backstage at WrestleMania. It's probably far too big to go backstage. But <laughs> I, I, I think if you had this match in front of a, an arena, even going for that long, I don't think it would have been that bad. You know, I think it's because when you go backstage, the match goes on for, what, 36 minutes, but a lot of that is just them walking after each other, which really fucking annoys me. When I watch matches, see when you, you see them, they'll hit them with something, and they'll go, ah, and they'll like walk away dead fast, and the guy will come up behind them and grab him by the neck, and then walk him somewhere else to do something else to him. And I'm just like, it, that's fine if you do that for a short amount of time. If you then extend it even longer because you just think you can get away with extending it, then it's just going to take away the the buzz of them being backstage and amongst all their stuff. Yeah, and that's, that was the big issue with it. There was far too much marauding their way through the backstage area. Not enough yeah. of the two of them actually banning each other. When they were actually on top of the trucks and that type of stuff as well towards the end, they were again doing everything very, very slowly. Commentary was guff as well. The commentary played an absolute clagger on this match. Did somebody say it was um, it was like golf commentary? It was. It was. Tom Phillips is uh, Tom Phillips is one of my favourite announcers currently in WWE, mm-hmm. but he did nothing in this one. It did nothing on it. They did. They just did not give you any sense of drama, and they were just kind of like it was kind of like, and they're looking over the pot. It's <laughs> it's a short right to left. This Almost, match sucks. <laughs> I actually feel like this match didn't even need commentary like you're probably doing better off just not doing commentary for it well and if just commentary is ha- that bad you're better not doing any commentary <laughs> no, no but I mean see even if you had like a um, like an over like a model on commentary I don't even think he could have made this any better I actually think it would have been better with no commentary because it's almost like a a hearts and mouth type thing and adding to the suspense of oh my god, does that actually just happened to see just hit him across the yeah. weight? You know, I, I I feel like that would have been better oh. having having it like that rather than just having the, the murmured voices. Talking about matches that did not have any commentary, we'll move on now to our next match, which was the match that went just before the main event. It was the Firefly Funhouse match between John Cena and Bray Wyatt. Jack, I'll start with you on this one because we spoke before the show and you seem to be the high man from the three panels definitely about this one what did you make of this match it's hard to explain it's fair to say I absolutely loved it I felt that like this was my favourite thing 
out the both nights of WrestleMania. I feel that everything to do, obviously the non-wrestling side is a bit weird not having wrestling in a wrestling match, but the creative work, the storytelling, the way it's been able to potentially write Cena off permanently from TV, nothing short of perfect. Yeah, Gary, you thought the opposite. You were not entirely sure about what the heck was going on in this match. Yeah, I mean the puppet, the Vince McMahon puppet said during the match, "This is such good shit." I would that, just say, "This is just shit." That was amazing, by the way. I loved that. Uh, <laughs> that I just, mean, I just don't get it. I thought it felt it was weird. It felt a waste of time. It's part part of my life. I'll never get back. It was. Yeah, packed, it was packed full of inside stories that that a huge amount of the audience would have had no idea what the hell it was about. Yeah, but you knew about the Saturday Night Main event thing, because you lived through that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I mean, I also lived through the Smackdown fisting as well. Uh, but so much of it, it was just... Ha- haven't we all, my man, haven't we all? It was a good night out, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just... I just don't get it. Um, it's, it's the Firefly Funhouse match. There was no wrestling in this whatsoever. Yeah, I hated right. this. I just hated it. It's one of those things. If somebody had walked in uh, to the living room and seen I was watching, it, it's one of those things that would made it would have made me embarrassed to be a wrestling fan. Interesting, Ryan. What side of the argument are you going to go on? I'm actually in the middle. Of both no, of these. Can't be, can't no, I, 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 oh, pick a side. No, no, I'll, I can't pick a side. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because I agreed with Jack. I loved it, right? I loved it as a whole. I thought Cena playing the part tremendously of like looking like he was properly sucked into these these moments and then going, wait, how the fuck did I get here? Like I thought he was brilliant. It took me a wee minute to get in there. I was kind of sitting watching the telly going, what the hell is going on here? Like I, I don't know what I'm watching, um, but actually I, I did love it. But on the other side, the no wrestling and a wrestling match did disappoint me. I would have liked to have seen them actually perform as well. Um, so that's why I'm kind of a wee bit in the middle with, with both of you. I did like that Vince McMahon thing, and I'll tell you why. I love the idea of Vince McMahon sitting down, and somebody comes through and goes, "Here, look what uh, look what Dean Ambrose said about you in this interview." And he's played the interview and seen him taking the piss at him, going, "What well, is some good shit?" And he's went, "I do you want to use that. Put me well, in that. T- take the piss out of me by saying this is good shit when it's when it's actually it's a gimmick. The whole thing is a gimmick, and his character saying this is some good shit being used is almost like him when he passes off good gimmicks that are actually shite. So." Yeah. Uh, it was a good weekend of tie-in. I liked. I liked that. Can I tell you actually? This will actually make you think. Make you think here, right? Apparently, uh, Bray Wyatt came up with this match mostly with one guy, one producer, one agent guy. That guy was Bruce Pritchard. It was shite. The whole match was shite. It was fucking horrendous. <laughs> but I hated every second there. I'm never watching it again. But the thing about it is, when see the thing you are mentioning about the kind of Vince kind of idea. To see me here is Bruce Pritchard that does it. That kind of argument you make kind of makes sense. And also, I think about it as well, uh, Jack, you kind of think about it. Uh, John Cena partly had a massive part to play and a lot of the stuff actually happened in the match. There was a partly other stuff that was going to happen, but Cena, changed, Cena played a part and came in and changed it. Does that kind of speak to the kind of side of John Cena that's often been disrespected? 
throughout his career? Uh, yeah, I would say so because I feel that obviously the John Cena that we that everyone originally loved and began to hate was just the kind of cash meal of Vince McMahon. He obviously just wasn't one to go against his boss. He was just kind of going with the grain, doing what he was told. But I feel that you could kind of see here that there's plenty of things that he, maybe he wanted to change differently. And he was able to portray that through this match with certain things that happened. Like, for example, the bit where he's uh, depicting Hulk Hogan as being like his version of being a heel in NWO. And he starts like batting brain what not that it turns out to be the Huskus Harris, the pig. But then when he's battering him, the, the pig, you see like kind of all the bits where he's buried folk. Mm-hmm. Like with the Miz and then like Baron Corbin with the, the chairs falling on him and what like Wade Barrett with the chairs falling on him and whatnot. And I feel that's kinda like a moment of realisation of stuff like I could have maybe helped other folk better than just kinda doing what I was told me if I kinda stood up for what was maybe what the fans were wanting, it See, could have played out better. I thought there was so many elements to this match that could that there was so much clever stuff actually in the match when you kind of look into it there was what you mentioned there with the whole stuff about the bedding type of stuff in that one there was the throwback to Wrestlemania 30 with the chair and Bray being on his knees pretty much telling John you didn't do it then do it now the moment when they redone the ruthless aggression type thing and Bray was singing the Bellas theme tune <laughs> just there was stuff like that I thought there was a lot of cleverness to it but I could kind of see the point that the guys were saying that it maybe could have done with a bit more wrestling, but at the same time, I thought it was clever a lot of the stuff that was done on that one. But I can understand the kind of downsides to it as well. Uh, Stephen said a bit more wrestling. I just wanted to say some wrestling would have been nice. There was no <laughs> wrestling whatsoever. My biggest, my biggest complaint about this match, and I've, I've been saying it for weeks and weeks and weeks, and actually I've been saying it for years now. Why has John Cena not had a haircut yet? Like. <laughs> Get a haircut, John Cena. Like, he, should have had, he should have had the flick. He should have had the 2002 flick style for mate, that bit. Do you know what I'll take? I'll take the Kofi Kingston haircut on him. Put that on it with the, the colourful bits on it as well. Fire that on him. Just It looks like a da with long, overgrown hair. And it's, co- it's combed over and I'm just like, oh, nah, mate. Just really annoys me. Really annoys me. It's the same as Ryan Wilson. That guy constantly grows his hair, and I've told him for years he needs to get a baldy. He suits a baldy better, and he doesn't listen to me. He grows his hair and looks like a hobo. Fair enough. Uh, I think what we could all agree on, I think the right thing came from it in the fact that Cena put Bray over. It kind of, Bray, well, Bray won the match, even though it was Bray who counted the pin. But the best way, either way that you kind of think of it, to sum up the match, was Titus O'Neil's reaction after it. Either way that you look at it, his reaction sums up the kind of thinking to it. I mean, you can you can question the, the decision. Why have they made him a temporary host? You can make it just for that one moment alone. I feel like it could have been better without that moment. I thought that moment was great. See, it just ended, and then that was it. It just kind of started. It just kind of like program resumed as if like nothing happened. As if like it was just something in the mind. I think it could have been a bit of a better transition and just going. I don't know what that was or whatever he said so I don't know anyway, uh, I don't even know what he said it was just his face it was just the way they kind of blacked out and it just went to his face you know but I think uh, there's a lot of people online clamouring for a more Firefly franchises now I think they should leave it at this for a good while and only pull this out in big circumstances 
I actually think the Bray should go away for a bit. He's got no really purpose at the moment. No, I, I think the problem was when we seen all the stuff with him and having Goldberg. Apparently, he didn't want to drop the title, and Goldberg made him whatever that rumor was, if that was true or not. Um, but I think that he's no, he's not really got a purpose just now. He tends to be one of these guys that should actually just show up every now and then, and then put yourself in a feud. And it doesn't even need to be too long. It can be like maybe three or four weeks where he just stays away completely with nothing and then something will happen or you build an off storyline up with two other guys and he maybe just gets himself involved some way, you know, just there can be a different way of doing it but I, I feel like having him on weekly now after that, you're now just going to put him in a feud for the sake of putting him in a feud now so you can use him, which I think will kind of diminish it a wee bit No, definitely, but going away from a match that didn't have too much in the terms of wrestling to the match that opened night two, which had a great bit of, a lot of wrestling to it. It's probably one when it says the match of the night from an in-ring perspective. It was for the NXT Women's Championship. It was Charlotte Flair challenging Rhea Ripley. Ryan, obviously a big fan of NXT. You've mentioned a lot about NXT in this show. What did you make of the first proper NXT match to be on a WrestleMania card? I thought it was brilliant. I thought I thought Rhea has been one of the, the most consistent performers on NXT, both UK and and US. Um, Charlotte, we always say dropping down. She's not dropping down. She's going sideways now. But I think Charlotte going to NXT is the perfect move for her because it's like I said about Kevin Owens earlier on. She's pretty much done everything. Mm-hmm. On uh, there is a deal on Raw and SmackDown. She's won all the titles. It's the ten titles she's got now, or something like that. Um, aye, something mm-hmm. like that. Um, comparing it to the Bray Wyatt thing as well, I think if Charlotte didn't win, she would just get put in a feud with somebody for the sake of putting her in a feud. I think there's much more scope for her to improve and put on good shows if she goes down to NXT now, especially as the champ, because it means that everybody will not only be wanting. A bit, of the, a bit of the champ, but they also want a bit of the queen as well because she's she's came back down to, to their level, so to speak, um, where she, they can then basically take the stance of, you know, you might think you're dropping down, but hold on a second, Ten. Let's no, go. Definitely, but and Gary Ryan mentioned as well, Rhea Ripley in this match, it's not all just about Charlotte Flair. They, we first saw Rhea Ripley in that first May Young Classic where she was still very, very raw. She's came an absolute long way to then, and she was an equal to Charlotte every point in this match, I feel. I thought Charlotte sold her ass off throughout this match for, for Rhea, and I've seen some stuff online about uh, about people feeling that the defeat has hurt Rhea. I don't think that. I think um, I was surprised at the outcome a little bit. Uh, but Rhea's not been hurt with this she's been elevated on the back of this and it's not the end of this story they had a great match Charlotte will go to NXT she'll have a series of fresh feuds which is what she needs because she's done so much as as you mentioned earlier on already Um, she'll have a series of fresh feuds it's not easy to say that quick Um, (laughs) And uh, eventually there will be a rematch between the two of them, mm-hmm. and that that will be good. But really, really good match, really good use of uh, silence at times. There was some funny noises at other points uh, in this match, 
but uh, I liked the story they talked throughout the match. There was a wee bit sort of old school about it, you know, those particularly working over the same body parts, which eventually led to the the decision. It's just a really good, solid match. Yeah, uh, Jack. We often talk about how the opening match of a WrestleMania night card is equally as important as the main event. Do you think that having this one go on first in night two was a perfect way to get that night underway? Yeah, it kind of it, it helped set the well, it helped attempt set the tone of what they were wanting. There was a lot of the middle that just was a bit meh watching that, but this match it was easily the best wrestling match of the night. Everything about it kind of just made perfect sense. I feel it's a shame that Rhea lost, but I'm also quite happy still seeing Charlotte with the belt because I feel there's so many more possibilities that can happen with Charlotte with the belt now. And even if she does double duty between Raw and NXT going forward, defending the title against like any sort of starting again, just it will just do great things for everyone with Charlotte being having the belt. Yeah, it adds a different element to the NXT because we have spoken many times on this podcast about the quality of the NXT women's division. We're actually going to see that uh, this week as a time of recording when there's going to be a six-woman ladder match on the upcoming NXT for the number one contendership. There's so much depth in there and it adds so many questions as well. Who can be the one to step up to Charlotte Flair? Throw a match out there right away that could happen after this ladder match. You could Charlotte Flair versus Io Shirai. You know, that's just yeah. one potential thing. It adds so much things to it. But again, with Rhea, she can then go down. She can look, they can play off Rhea a bit differently. She can then go on to maybe feud down the card as well. They've got a ready-made feud in there based on the second May Young Classic of Rhea Ripley and Tegan Knox. I think it, that, looking at it more, I thought Rhea was going to win. But I think Charlotte definitely is the right option just from all those things I've listed there. I, well, I actually thought that... I can't agree with you. I thought that Rhea was going to win. I, I didn't see Charlotte going to NXT permanently i never seen that that happening delighted it is but i never seen her her wanting to take that step but maybe she's kind of looked at it as well and thought I've, I can do something something amazing in here you know I could I, I've been here before I've conquered it I've dominated it I'm now going to go back to a whole new crop of people that I can feud with I can have completely different matches to what I've had before so no I, I'm, I'm quite pleased with it after I've thought about it, I was annoyed at first, but it makes it makes sense now. I think Charlotte's still, from what I've seen and read, there's still an expectation that Charlotte's going to still be in Raw, so we'll probably just see more of her, which makes her an even more valuable draft pick for someday, which was no bloody used to me in the draft this time round. <laughs> she got your points, it just nobody else did. <laughs> Not as many as she should have got. No, that's true. She was one of the very, very sufferers in that draft from COVID-19. Jack can talk all day about suffering from COVID-19 in this draft. No, actually suffering from COVID-19, just to add. That's because Jack has COVID-19. <laughs> I'm patient zero, mate. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it, it shafted me no ends. I feel that a lot. Of, I, I could have benefited a lot going into WrestleMania, the draft, but unfortunately it was not meant to be. No, but we can agree that real losing made more suffering for David Hockney which was all good you know uh, yeah, uh, which, which is always a good thing yeah I liked the I liked in this match the old school targeting of of the D I think that's like uh, Gary you're obviously a guy who grew up watching wrestling 80s and 90s it was the type of thing that Bret Hart would do back in yeah. the day he would target that move target that move and then the minute that they lock in the figure the figure 8 as it is she's done 
you know. Yeah, the game's over then. It was. It was. It was really simple storytelling, and some of the best things still are. You look at how over Otis and Mandy's story was, and that was just a simple story. Um, and yeah, it made sense. And you see that uh, often in matches now. There's no the psychology sometimes gets lost. People just do high spot after high spot, or in some instances forget what body part they're working and start hitting the other leg. Um, which is pretty unforgivable, but yeah, it just made complete sense. You could fo- absolutely follow it and see what was going on. Mm-hmm. Definitely. See, actually, I think when you, when you think back about that Edge and Randy Orton match, is what you're saying on it. They had to follow Otis. That's how that match failed. We had such high expectations with Otis. Oh yeah. Otis oh, <laughs> is the greatest thing in wrestling. Oh, he's great. Uh, br- briefly before we finish up, how great was that? That moment would have been amazing in a live crowd. Oh, aye. Uh, imagine him carrying her up a massive like Wrestlemania ramp as well like <laughs> past everybody just wandering all the way up there with his prized possession would have been great uh, still, was, still was great but just not the same I met Otis at SummerSlam I have a photo of me and a topless Otis nice <laughs> yeah. Tucker, Tucker was there as well so was Lucy this is a thing that annoyed me as well and I always talk about this um, Otis's ring gear has to change it has to go back to wearing the the full the full body thing that I had before because I kind of deal with this I kind of deal with the, the tiny wee trunks that you can hardly even see because he's belly like, looks like he's just wrestling in boots aye like he's a massive guy <laughs> right and uh, massive guys need to wear the full, the full gear. See when they first came up, for, when they were in NXT, when they first came up and they had that initial run when they first came up to SmackDown and stuff as well. Like, he looked class. He just looked like a big bruiser, but now he just looks like a big heavy guy. But I think it's fair to say we could, he could have a big run in that one. But it's definitely a moment that kind of sucked. It could have been absolutely amazing in a live crowd. But I think what we're gonna, we would say about this actual WrestleMania is the WrestleMania like no other. I don't think we'll ever see a WrestleMania like it again. Nah. Do you know, uh, on that point, Stephen, some of the introduction that WWE did, they never used the word coronavirus at one time, so I just wonder in 10 years' time when somebody in the network looks back on this, will they have any concept of <laughs> why it was like this? <laughs> Probably not. It's just like, due to the outstanding circumstances, people will ask one day, why is the outstanding circumstances? I don't, I, in six months' time, I don't want to hear the word coronavirus. You know, in three years' time, I really, uh, it's just going to be F coronavirus anytime. But, you know, it definitely was a WrestleMania, like no other. And But there was some decent moments to it. But, again, and on that note, we wrap up our WrestleMania 36 review. The night, or the, the show, too big for one night. But it's fair to say that we will quickly forget about it just because of, you know, the circumstances surrounding it. But we got the good entertainment at the time. Uh, we've got loads of stuff still coming up on Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet, despite the lockdown that's pretty much kept us all indoors for the next for the last three weeks and probably for the next three weeks. So you can head on over to our on our social media to see what we're doing, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Suplex Retweet. Please subscribe to us. We've got a massive back catalogue, so much content there that can help you get through this time stuck in the house. Next week, we're going to be doing a profile show and we're going to be talking about the icon Sting. So that could be an interesting one to hear about his career. But until then, I'd like to thank my panel for this week. I'd like to thank Gary. Thank you, Stephen. The Ryan. Thank you very much, Stephen. And the Jack. Hi, cheers, mate. 
I'm Steve Wilson, and we will see you next week. Ladies and gentlemen, Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet now proudly presents Suplex Retweet Extra! Get bonus content on WWE, AEW, NXT, WCW, Scottish and World Independent Promotions. Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple and Android podcasting sites, as well as YouTube. Head over to suplexretweet.com now. Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.